listening to CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Red Sox Beat Podcast, presented by CLNS Media. That's your leading online video and audio expert for Major League Baseball. I'm the host of the show, Chris Cotillo from MassLive.com. I cover the Red Sox there, along with the guy who's going to be our guest today, Chris Smith. Chris in the car, uh, as, as they might call him on the radio today. Um, this is episode 231 of the show. It's August 29th. We have two sponsors today. It's betonline.ag, which is CLNS Media's preferred online sportsbook. And Indochino, the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. We'll be hearing a lot more about them later. Uh, but first, we welcome in Chris in the car. Chris Smith, how's everything going this week? Hey, it's good, Catillo. How are you? How is the West Coast? The West Coast was great. It's... Uh, yeah, I think we talked about this last week when you were on, but that was the trip that you really wanted to go on. And unfortunately, uh, for at least your travel purposes, you had a baby and were not able to go. So that was great. Worked out for me. Got to go to Petco Park and Coors Field. Now actually in Charlotte. You got to change diapers. You get to change diapers, yes. So it really worked out for me. I'm now in Charlotte uh, for a fantasy football draft, and you're going to be remotely covering the series in Anaheim. So really, it just keeps coming up, Cotillo, and you get to come on the podcast and discuss it all with me. So that's great. Sounds great. So here we sit, August 29th, about a month left in the season. The Red Sox are five games back in the wild card. They have been 4-1 and one on this road trip so far. They won the first two in San Diego, dropped the finale Sunday, and really what was a bad loss, 3-1 in a game started by Brian Johnson where the offense couldn't get anything going. Off day on Monday, head to Colorado and sweep a two-game series against a bad Rockies team there. The Rays and the A's end up both losing last night. Red Sox are five games back, entering this very winnable series in Anaheim over the weekend. I know last week when we talked, you thought this team had no chance. Now, where do things stand in the mind of, the, of Chris Smith. Yeah, I mean, I still think they have very little, I think they have no chance, and, and I'll tell you why. I wrote about it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Red Sox, if they play, you know, if they go 20-9 and nine the rest of the way, 20-9, and nine, then both the Rays and the Athletics have to go under, uh, the Rays would have to go 500, the, the Athletics would have to go under 500 by two games. Mm-hmm. And so you look back, and, and everybody points to say, you know, 2011 when the Red Sox had such a big lead over the Rays, and, and they blew it. Well, the Red Sox blew it. Not, you know, wasn't the Rays, you know, they, they took it. The Red Sox had to go, you know, seven and twenty in September. So the difficult part of this is you have to have two teams collapse, Oakland and Tampa Bay for you to get into that second wild card, it's not like you're just five games back. You are five games back, but you, you then have to lap two teams. Right. And that's, yeah. that's yeah. the thing. And, yeah, and Chris wrote about this yesterday on Mass Live, examining the Boston Red Sox slim mathematical chance to win the second wild card spot and the strength of schedule. Um, basically, you know, he said if the Red Sox play almost 700 baseball the rest of the way, both the Rays and Athletics also need to play under 500. So definitely unlikely. Yeah, and you look at it, and the, the Athletics have such an easy schedule, and they've been known throughout their history, or let's just say their recent history, um, you know, with Billy Bean as, as, a, as a second half team. Yep. And so they have the easiest you know, strength of schedule or schedule remaining of the, you know, of the three teams. They play seven games 
They have 30 games left. They play seven against teams over 500. They play mm-hmm. 23 against teams under 500. Yeah, and the Red Sox have thir- 13 over and 16 under. So, and the same with the Rays. That's the same yep. with the Rays, too. So, you know, strength of schedule doesn't look great. And, the you know, having to overlap two teams and have them implode and you play seven your ball almost, it's why I just think it's impossible. You know, as you texted me today, it still could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think something really interesting. This weekend is a good chance for the Red Sox to pick up some ground. Down back five right now, the Rays are, I think the Rays are playing the Astros one more time today. Then they play the Indians for a three-game series over the weekend. You know, that's kind of a, you guarantee a loss for one of your rivals there because the Indians are also in play in the wild card. And the Athletics go to the Bronx to play the Yankees, and that's obviously a tough matchup for them. The Red Sox can, can beat up on the Angels, and, and maybe by the end of the weekend, they're back three, uh, something like that, heading into a really tough homestand. I think you know the consensus from the writers who were in Denver last night, we were talking about it. What really this comes down to is, yeah, the Red Sox can beat up on the Angels maybe this weekend, and maybe they'll be able to sweep the Giants when they come into town in a couple weeks. But what really is going to define the Red Sox season um, – this homestand against the Twins and the Yankees coming up seven games in a row against division leaders, really good teams, and um, great. I mean, the Red Sox have taken care of business. They they won a series against the Royals, even though it took a couple of weeks to do it. They want to stay, uh, swept the Orioles. They won a series against the Rockies and the Padres, but this will be a big test, and, and they're going to need to win those series against the Twins and the Yankees if they want a shot at this. Yeah, and they've played better on the road than at Fenway. Yep. And so when you have, you know, I mean, they did take three or four against the Yankees, you know, going into the, the tra- or near the trade deadline. They mm-hmm. took three or four against the Yankees at Fenway Park. You know, so that's a positive when you look at that stretch. Yeah. Um, you know, Minnesota is playing for their life right now because they don't want the, the first wild card. They want to, you know, edge out Cleveland. So, they, you know, they're going to bring it. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a, de- a difficult stretch of games. And, you know, that, that will define, you know, their September the rest of the way. If they're kind of examining, as I've kind of written about, examining things for next year, who mm-hmm. can contribute, who can help out in terms of younger guys, or if they're going to continue to try to go down to the, you know, the final day. Yep, and I think that's, that's a good segue to, to something that uh, we've both written about in the last couple of days, but... Sunday's big day on the baseball roster or on the baseball calendar, excuse me. It's when rosters expand to 40 players. This is the last year that'll happen. Starting next year, they'll only have 28 guys on the roster, which for us as writers with pace of play and everything and trying to get around a cramped Red Sox clubhouse is going to be a godsend of a rule, but we got to get through it one more month in September. Uh, didn't really come into play for the Red Sox last year. They obviously called some people up, but that was already when everything was out of reach. They had a huge lead in the division. Everything was pretty much clinched and, what that turned into was Zue Lin, who has completely been forgotten about in the last few months, by the way, and Sam Travis hitting their first home runs on a me- meaningless night in Cleveland um, after the Red Sox had clinched. We were both there to see that. As Rob Bradford likes to say, we saved our tech stubs. This year, they are going to be you know, impact players, maybe not the names that you'd expect, but guys that are going to come up, and they're going to be... Uh, part of this Red Sox roster. I think, obviously, Alex Gore has shown in the last few weeks he's going to be really aggressive in how he uses his bullpen. So now he has the option to add, I don't know, five or six more arms to this group and really just go matchup by matchup in these grueling four-and-a-half-hour games. 
I'm not looking um, forward to it. Alex Cora was looking forward to it when he talked about it, but it seems like come Sunday or come Tuesday when they return home, you'll have Mike Schwarren back up here and Hector Velasquez and Ryan Weber and all these guys that are meant to give you innings, and it's going to be just uh, a, a disaster in the minds of the beat writers, but, but something the Red Sox think gives them a better chance to win. Yeah, I noticed after one of the games uh, I was watching, and I think it was Pete Abe, um, mentioned or asked Cora about them stretching Schwarren out because he has become a starter again all of a sudden. And yeah, his, numbers yeah. are, his numbers were not good as a reliever, and now he's become a starter. So I wonder if they bring up Schwarren and, you know, they put Johnson, uh, they have him start and put Johnson back in the, um, you know, the bullpen. Uh, yeah, Johnson's, Johnson's definitely in the bullpen going forward, Cora said yesterday. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't hear that. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah. So, um, you know, I look at this as, a, as an interesting time. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I did see that you posted something on this, but I did not read the article. Sorry. Um, I was dealing it's okay. With, no one you know, does. <laughs> I was dealing with a bunch of uh, things that a kid does, like poops and pees stuff like that, mm-hmm. not to get gross, but well, um, did anybody late. ask him about all that? Yes, that was a, that came up yesterday. He said the um, positional player side, the Red Sox are going to bring out Chavis, obviously, um, a catcher, so that could be one Centennial or Oscar Hernandez. I don't know really who's been better. You probably do. And then uh, they're considering bringing up a right-handed hitting bat. Uh, someone asked if that was going to be Dahlbeck, and he did not rule it out. So it is possible, um, but there's some other guys that could you know, get that chance, whether that be uh, Gorkis Hernandez, who we saw a lot of in spring training, Joey Carletta, who's on the 40-man roster that nobody really knows about. Um, and they obviously have Chris Owings as a right-handed bat that can't make contact on the roster right now. Um, a couple other guys, Bryce Brantz has been up here before. So I don't know if it's going to be Dahlbeck or one of those guys, but they are considering that in addition to one of the catchers and Chavis and then probably a handful of pitchers. Yeah, I would say that it would be either Dahlbeck or Hernandez. And I'll give you a reason why it could be Hernandez. is because um, he's still under – if they if he become a minor league free agent, well, first of all, he, he's raked against left-handed pitching this year in Pawtucket. This is Gorkis? Yeah. He's raked against left-handed pitching. He has not had – if you look at his stats, his stats are, you know, really ugly. But that's because he's yeah. a face bowl. Uh, lefties uh-huh. and righties. He's really hit lefties well, though. I mean, the, the numbers are off the charts against lefties. He has over a 900 OPS. And if you were to put him on the roster now or before, um, I think it's, what, 10 days or something after the season, he can't become a minor league free agent, and you have control over him next year. And, you know, if you were to need a right-handed you know, guy off the bench next year, uh, he could be a, he could be one. So I think it could be either Hernan- I think it will be either Hernandez or Dahlbach. Obviously, I'm hoping it's Dahlbach, but mm-hmm. um, I, I think it bodes well for Dahlbach that they didn't you know send him to the Arizona Fall League. That that could be an indication that it might be him. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting thing I wanted to get to because Tanner Houck is on the Arizona Fall League roster. We heard so much about him coming up as a reliever that was going to help this team. Does that rule that out that he comes up in September? I think so. They have sent, um, a couple years back, they sent someone to the Arizona Fall League after he had been a September call-up. I'm having trouble remembering who it was. 
But I don't think he was on the initial Arizona Fall League. Um, I don't think he's on the initial Arizona Fall League roster. So they they made the decision after he'd been up some with in September to send him to the Arizona Fall League. The Arizona Fall League starts in September September 18th. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a lot earlier year. this year than it ever has been. Yeah. So I would think that that would rule out um, Tanner, and I think that you know. If you were to add Dahlback, you've got to add certain guys to the 40-man roster anyway that's coming off season. Yep. You know, C.J. Chatham. And so, you know, how can somebody that doesn't need to be, uh, you know, added right away? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's not uh, Rule 5 eligible in two, until 2020, uh, November 2020. So I would think next year they would add him to the roster at some point during the season. Maybe he makes the club out of spring training. He shows a yep. lot, but I mean, he's shown a lot at Pawtucket. I mean, I think his ERA is two, four, five, and so he, he's really pitched well out of the bullpen. But they're not ruling out him, obviously, as a starter going forward. Yeah, and obviously they they already converted one of their starters into a guy to become a dominant reliever in Darwinson Hernandez. So maybe they don't want to you know ruin all the starting pitching depth, especially for a bullpen group that has shown a few signs of life definitely throughout August. Here's some guys that could come up on September first, or like I said, I'm not sure that they'll actually fly a bunch of guys out to Anaheim for Sunday, and they might wait and just have them come up to Boston on Tuesday after the off day. Some start, some relievers, Colton Brewer, Travis Lakins, Bobby Pointer. We have Mike Schwarren, Hector Velasquez, and Ryan Weber. You add to that mix. Uh, Chavis will be up, and, and maybe Zhu Wei Lin. Like I said, I haven't heard a lot about him, but those are just some 40-man guys that could come. Any of those guys stand out as particularly interesting to you? I know you tweeted about Pointer the other day. Yeah, Pointer's had a, a really good season at Pawtucket. I, he had a real so his ERA I think is in the low threes, so that's not a really good season. But he started out not good, <laughs> and so he's been a lot better. And that ERA's come down uh, since April, and he's probably you know since April if you were to calculate, the ERA would most likely be in the you know low twos or mid twos, and you know I know he was working on some things, you know, trying to give different shapes to his breaking ball, things like that in spring training. It's surprising to me that, you know, they looked so highly at him last year and he spent 80-something days on the roster last year. He's only spent seven days on the active roster this year. So, you know, he's an interesting guy. I think Lakins, you know, I've always liked Lakins, but the problem with him has been, you know, control this year. However, you know, maybe he shows something in September going, you know, Maybe show something in September. Some of these other guys, you know, I like to see Schwarren start. You know, I'd love to see a start from him, see what he can do out of the, you know, rotation um, as a major leaguer. Some of the other guys, you know, really don't, you know, I'm not that interested in, like, you know, Weber and, you know, certain guys yeah. like that. It would be interesting. I don't think it's going to happen, but, um, you know, because I don't think they want to, you know, have the clubhouse flooded with guys. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Nor do I. Trevor Kelly's also on the uh, 40-man roster, and he's, yep. uh, you know, he's only pitched one inning for the Red Sox this year. So, you know, yeah, there's yeah. Right there to bring him up as well. Yep, and he provides a different look, as we've heard uh, when he came up in Toronto for that for that quick cameo. Uh, something, you know, changing gears for a second, that you, you were a part of the other day. I was, just to rub it again, on a flight to San Diego, but you got to cover the continuation game at Fenway Park between the Red Sox and the Royals. The Royals came in for 12 minutes. They got they went went down one two three in the top of the tenth. They got they lost on a walk off. Brock Holt 
uh, walk-off double in the bottom of the 10th. There was 12 minutes. Everybody who was there, you know, people that got to San Diego were raving about it. People were saying it was the most fun they'd ever had at Fenway Park. And um, because we haven't talked since then, just kind of take us through what that day was actually like being there. Yeah, quick. And as a writer, it was, it was, you know, I was stressed out because I got, you know, they didn't have pregame clubhouse, they didn't have pregame Cora. And so I really got there because we were there late the night before. Yep. And so I actually, that was the night that I went to the hospital <laughs> with my kids. So I was, Every, you know, everything's I was, fine, everybody. Yeah, She's everything's fine. fine. It's just, you know, it's just, um, you know, uh, new parents being paranoid probably, but, uh-huh. uh, well, my, my parents are old parents and they're still paranoid. So it's okay. <laughs> so I got, you know, I got, um, you know, I got called away from that game and luckily mm-hmm. we had, you know, Jason there, but anyway, um, so, but I wasn't until three. So I got there right, you know, pretty much like a half an hour before the game started. Yep. I built the salad, which was not good. And, um, and then like, the game starts, and I'm like, crap, I don't have anything written if this game does end in 10 minutes. And, you know, I had been on fraternity leave when the original game went on, so I didn't know much of what, was, much of what went on that game. So yeah, it was, like, it was horrible. Like, that's the, that's like, the long and short of it. Yeah, so it's like, you know, it does end in 12 minutes, and I'm just, like, squirming to get, like, you know, something written you know, like five lines written and everybody else is doing the same thing. So, you know, but I, I like the, you know, forget about the media aspect of it. Yeah, the atmosphere was cool. You know, the, um, there's a lot of kids there. You know, baseball has, has been an old man's sport of late, and there was a lot of kids there got to see, you know, baseball being quick and everything, so that was cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the place was rocking. But if you ask my parents, I mean, my parents actually came in, and they were, <laughs> they were like 12 minutes, what? And so, uh, you know, so, I mean, the, the fans that normally would come in would probably be disappointed. But everybody else, you know, have fun. I mean, they were running the bases. The kids were running the bases for like an hour and a half after the game. So it was fun for the kids that, that usually don't come. Yeah, no, it definitely looked like a cool atmosphere, and it helped that it was a beautiful day. It helped that it was 12 minutes to concession prices. I saw the, the lines for the hot dogs were ridiculously long, uh, even after the game was completed. So that was uh, ended up being uh, a really cool experience. Just to, to fill you in on what you missed from that game, it was just a boring 4-4 game. I think the bullpen blew it, as always. Uh, seemed like Eduardo Rodriguez had kind of a in-between start, no great storylines, and then a two-hour rain delay after like a three and a half hour game, I think it was like 1240 when they finally called it. Alex Cora was already on his way home and they called him back because they said, no, I think you need to do a post-game thing. We got him for a couple seconds and he said basically, uh, no Lego land, no SeaWorld for our players who wanted to go and explore San Diego on the off day. It ended up that they, uh, it only delayed them a little bit because they flew out uh, right after that and then ended up taking two of three at Petco. Wait, a word now. on his way home? I believe he was. Yeah. <laughs> he should have just done a conference call. Yeah. I was too late for that. Now a word from Indochino. Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. If you're looking to get married, they have tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. Guys love the wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors to choose from, not to mention the option to personalize the details, including your lapel, lining pockets, buttons, and writing your own monogram. 
I just actually ordered my own shirt. It just arrived in the mail. Wore it on the trip out to San Diego. It was one of the anti-wrinkle shirts. I'm terrible at ironing. And uh, instead of panicking and putting it through uh, the dryer at the last minute, I thought an anti-wrinkle shirt would actually be better for me. Here's how it worked. You can visit a stylist at a showroom. There's over 40 in North America, including one on Newbury Street, and have them take your measurements personally. Or, like I did, you can measure at home yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. It was very easy. Just took some measurements, plugged them in, and the shirt came out perfectly uh, fit to my frame. You can choose your fabric inside and out, choose your design, customizations, submit your measurements with your choices, and relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple weeks. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com. All you have to do is enter SOCKS, that's S-O-X, at the checkout, plus shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code SOCKS for any premium suit for just $369 in free shipping. It's an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit, and once you go custom, you don't go back. I would suggest Chris Smith, we see how you dress on a daily basis at Fenway, you might want to go with some Indochino because there are a couple things in your wardrobe that are horrendous. Yeah, well, I mean, I was actually thinking about that. Non-wrinkles? Yeah, I know. Rob Bradford, that, he needs to get one of those. Yeah, so you, you may have just gotten a customer. Good. Well, enter uh, code SOX at the checkout, and you get suit for $369. Going, something that came up this week for the first time in a long time was uh, the return of Dustin Pedroia to the Red Sox clubhouse. I don't know how closely you paid attention to it. I was there, obviously, um, and we talked to him. He was on a scooter around the clubhouse, like a kind of like a motorized wheelchair with his leg up. He had his leg completely wrapped in a brace. And uh, it was the interesting thing to me, a couple interesting takeaways from his meeting with us at Coors Field. He said the surgery uh, that he had, which was kind of like a bridge uh, to a knee replacement or a, replace, uh, a replacement for the knee replacement, I guess, was because when he got home to take his indefinite leave, uh, he was just going through his day-to-day things in life, throwing batting practice to his kids. He said he'd do that and wouldn't be able to walk for three days. That sounds horrible. It sounds way beyond baseball at this point. And he said the pain got worse and worse and worse until he eventually opted for that surgery. That surgery was not a minor procedure. He's non-weight-bearing for five weeks. He's on crutches and a scooter. He has two more weeks in that cast and on the crutches, and then he'll begin, begin a 12-week program to strengthen his knee. He said at that point, if the knee feels okay, he might launch a comeback. If not, he'll know that that's it. Um, and another interesting thing he said, he said he will need a knee replacement someday. Sounded to me like a lot of quality of life talk and, and obviously uh, kind of puts more credence in the idea that we'll never see him uh, in a meaningful role on the baseball field again. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, you know, I just think that it's trending towards that way. And the interesting aspect of it is what the Red Sox do, you know, in terms of or, or what he does in terms of the money and the, the CBT. I mean, I think that, you know, if he was to retire, uh, he wouldn't get that money. And, the, and you know, the CBT wouldn't count against the CBT. The Red Sox can go up and sign somebody, you know, extra. You know, they'd have more money to sign people. Um, you know, but you also have the aspect where he could do what Prince Fielder did, just stay on the 60-man DL, uh, 60-man IL. And um, I think that the Rangers actually released him, but, you know, anyway, so they, they could get an extra 40-man spot. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, I, think that, I think that he is, um, 
you know, I mean, he obviously is getting his money, and I think that he counts against the uh, Texas Rangers CBT and also the Detroit Tigers CBT to some degree. So, um, you know, and maybe the be, Brewers too. Maybe he counts against all thirty. Who knows? <laughs> so, you know, that will be an interesting aspect going forward. Is you know, does he officially retire? Does he, you know, uh, go on the sixty-man roster for the rest of his two years remaining? I think that that's you know a good good a good thing to look for. Uh, as I don't think that he will be back. I think that he probably, you know, I, did, I heard some of the things he said, and when you come home after you've done, you know, a ton of trying to rehab, and, you know, for two years, and you're trying to rehab, and you have these failed rehab assignments, and you go home, and you get to spend time with your two kids, and you have a big house, and you're rich, and you don't have to worry about money for the rest of your life. Like and, you? Yes, <laughs> and so you don't have to worry about the money for the rest of your life, um, and you're enjoying your summer, um, you know, until the knee surgery or whatever, but you're enjoying your summer, you're enjoying your kids, you're enjoying your wife. I think that that probably shows him that, you know, he doesn't have to go back to baseball, and he'd probably be content. And an interesting thing that Francona said when he was in town, when, um, you know, Dustin Pedroia initially said that he was going to take a leave of absence or whatever you want to call it, was that he has, you know, he's at peace with, you know, uh, if his career, you know, pretty much if his career ended, he, you know, he's in a good place. Yep. And that was, that was, I think, the most telling thing still is what Tito said that day when the Indians were in town. Uh, a couple loose ends here before we wrap up. Uh, the Red Sox heading to Anaheim. They're going to get a big piece of the rotation back. David Price will pitch on Sunday in Anaheim. They're going to cobble together a bullpen game on Saturday. Valdi Friday, bullpen game Saturday. And then uh, David Price on Sunday. If you are putting together a bullpen game, or assuming Brian Johnson's not the starter, who would you have start? So it's it's on Sunday. Saturday. Prices prices on Sunday. Yeah. Sunday prices on Sunday. Okay. Uh, Marcus Walden. Okay. Why is that? I mean, he's usually the guy that follows. Uh, you know, when Velasquez was had bullpen games, when yep. you know he's followed Brian Johnson, I believe before forgetting, you know, Weber, he's followed some of these guys. He's been the first guy out of the bullpen. Uh, you know, if it was Sunday, I'd say maybe they, you know, obviously they probably won't fly everybody that's going to be a 40-man addition to the West Coast for one day, but, you know, maybe Colton Brewer uh, because he's also been a guy that you've put in after, uh, you know, or maybe Schwartz, but, you know, he's also been a guy that you've put in after, uh, you know, after uh, an opener. So who who's your guess? Uh, maybe Darwinson. I think you know he he has a little bit of familiarity, more familiarity with the starters' routine at least for a couple of innings than um, some of the other guys. Maybe Kashner. I think that can't be ruled out. They really haven't used him that much, uh, so I think those guys are possible. But it'll be interesting. And obviously, the big news that's causing at least some of this is that you know Chris Sale's out, but David Price is back. I think when that news broke on August seventh or eighth, you were dealing with a five or six day old at that point. So I don't know if you were too focused on it, but um, we, I think the, the fear was, you know, how long is this going to keep price out? Really? Nobody knew it was kind of a, an unusual injury assist in his wrist and not related to the carpal tunnel, but he wasn't able to grip his pitches. The cortisone shot seemed to have worked. Uh, He might have that cyst out after the season um, completely, but he will be back in Anaheim, and and he's important. If the Red Sox can get the David Price they had for the first half of the year, that's a really good chance to win every five days. You would add that to Erod, who's been good all year. 
um, Porcello, who's looked good recently, and uh, the Red Sox all of a sudden are finding a way to cobble together a rotation even without Chris Sale. Yeah, and uh, you know they're going to that bullpen game, but you know when when Price comes back, I mean he was just you know, lights out pretty much from midway through 2018 into the postseason, except for that one start against the Yankees, and you know for the first half of this year, and then all of a sudden you know in I think it was early July he started or mid-July, he started struggling. And, yep. you know, so, um, you know, he's an important guy, not only this year, but going forward, especially, you know, if you, you know, as we talked about in the last podcast, Chris Sales, um, you know, up in the air, his status, I mean, you never know. I mean, he could need Tommy John surgery, you know, in the off season if this thing doesn't work, uh, this, you know, shot doesn't work, or, you know, he could need it next season. So, I think that, you know, David Price is an important part going forward, and a lot of people missed that when they wanted him to opt out after next year because, you know, your, your pitching is kind of, you know, uh, your starting pitching is really a weakness right now of, yep. the, of the team. Shockingly. At, you know, if you look at Taylor, Hernandez, and Workman, they've really established themselves, so the bullpen has been awesome. And Kastner's been pretty good. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I was actually, I meant to write about it today, I meant, you just saying that, I meant to put it in my uh, article today, I kind of examined some of the guys they could go after this off season. but I also mentioned how, you know, they have a 2.4, I think, ERA in August, and that's been because of Taylor Hernandez and Workman being so good, but also Kashner, you know, he is an option, you know, to resign him as a reliever this coming yeah. offseason, especially if he shows something, you know, here, you know, in, you know, coming in September. Yeah. Now there's a lot of guys that have, that have stepped up. It took a lot longer than I think they would have wanted. Brazier's looked also very good since he's been back for the most part. So, um, you know, there are some options. And like I said, this is going to be horrible for us, but there are going to be probably five or six more options added to that bullpen, uh, come September 1st. Well, now the Red Sox odds, according to BetOnline.ag. They are plus 2,000 to win the American League. They are behind the Astros, who are the favorite, the Yankees, the Twins, the Indians, and the Rays. Red Sox are tied with the Athletics at plus 2,000 and the odds to win the World Series. The Red Sox are plus 3,300, also tied with the Athletics. They are behind this long list of the Astros, Dodgers, Yankees, Braves, Twins, Cardinals, Nationals, Indians, Cubs, Rays, and then they are tied with uh, the A's there. Baseball season's almost over. But placing a wager on baseball has never been easier with the best odds at betonline.ag. This weekend, you can bet on the Red Sox and the Angels in Anaheim. Also, the NFL preseason is well underway and almost over. The NFL season is about to start. To celebrate another season kickoff, betonline.ag and CLNS Media are giving you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You can head over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join today and use promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to receive your welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines this football season and get into all the action with betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. You can bet on two games at once, and this is one of my big pet peeves that this is happening. The Patriots are playing their season opener against the Steelers in, uh, next Sunday at 8 o'clock, same time as the Red Sox-Yankees primetime game like they always seem to do. If you want to do that on BetOnline, a minimum deposit of $55 is required to qualify for the bonus. You'll receive a 50% bonus on your qualifying first deposit at betonline.ag. Please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding the bonuses. So, Chris Smith, we'll finish with this. What are you looking forward to watching as the Red Sox face the Angels this weekend? 
Mike Trout. <laughs> no, I just it? no. I mean, you know, I think that um, you know, obviously prices start. You know, that will be interesting to see how he bounces back, comes back from that. Uh, you know, basically, I, you know, I'm looking ahead <laughs> to next year. You know, I think yep. they can use the rest of this season as an opportunity to see how guys, you know, can help out the team. Um, you know, Moreland and, you know, Pierce are going to be gone next year. I, I'm looking at like Sam Travis and I'd like to see him hit against some lefties. Uh, I mean, some righties. And, you know, I, I obviously if Dahlbeck's, uh, you know, a guy that comes up, uh, you know, I want to see some of these guys. I love to, I'm going to love to see how uh, Chavis kind of hits over the final month because, you know, you looked at Devers and, you know, these struggles last year, you know, he we went to the minors and everything on a rehab assignment for a mm-hmm. long time there in August. And then he came back and he had a good final month and he had a good, good postseason. Uh, the, the power numbers were really up there in the final month. So I'm going to look at, you know, Chavis, how he does when he comes back. I'm going to look at, you know, Travis. I'm going to look at Marco Hernandez. I'd love to see them give some more time to him. Um, because, you know, Holt might not be back next year. You, you know, yep. he's a candidate to be the super utility guy that Holt's been, or mm-hmm. he's been, you know, or a second base, the starting second baseman. Right. You know, and, and then I'm looking, you know, at, at how some of these other relievers, you know, continue on, like Hernandez, if he can get, start, you know, his walks down. Uh, you know, Taylor, every time he pitches, it's interesting. You know, so I'm kind of looking ahead and thinking about next year you know, while also kind of focusing on, you know, the end of the year and if they can make the playoffs. Well, well there two of the things you mentioned there are going to be written about in the next few hours and posted on Mass Live. Brock Holt <laughs> potentially not coming back, and then Raphael Devers, his stint in AAA and what it did for him. So thanks, Chris yeah. Smith. Well, you know, it's actually interesting, just a final on the whole thing. It's interesting mm-hmm. because, you know, you do have guys that, have shown that they can play the majors like Marco Hernandez. And if you want to save in certain areas to get better in other areas, um, you know, to give, to, you know, sign guys to long-term contract, you might have to, you know, give up. And that's another reason why Hernandez, you know, could be a guy that they bring up instead of Dahlbeck is, you know, they want to see how he does. Too many Hernandez now. This is Gorkis. Yeah. That's going to be tough. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be the third Hernandez on the team. All right. Well, that's uh, that's your the only, uh, final. The only reason, final... the only reason I keep calling him Hernandez is because I have no, I had no idea how to pronounce his first that's, name until I think you just. Gorky's. Gorky's <laughs> until Gorky's, you said it, then I was like, can I, can I, can I copy what it, I, what if I screw it up? So yeah, all I, all I keep.